of course, in the past few weeks, you know, we'll, we've been uh, going through a series of sermons, which the pastor has uh, um, been ministering to us. And um, nine, nine Sundays ago, um, Mark also, um, you know, spoke to us about what is the gospel. And uh, just last Sunday gone, we were looking at transforming communities with the gospel. The previous Sundays, we've been looking at the power of the gospel. The, the gospel is relevant for everyone. So it's been a series of these sermons, which, you know, from my, my personal understanding, you know, they, 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 are, they are interconnected. And I believe that, uh, you know, uh, God is building us up to, to something. And this morning, I just want to start by, you know, throwing uh, a question to, you know, to the congregation. Does anyone know our, 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 our vision statement? I will exclude pastor and the mama pastor uh, for this question. But can anyone tell me uh, our vision statement as a church? And then we'll, we'll, we'll take it out from there. What is our vision statement as, as, as a church? As a church. I think it's to go and send the good news to everyone. Thank you, my sister. Thank you, my sister. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a feedback. I, I don't know if it's... Uh... Right, yeah. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? What is our vision statement? Sorry? Charles, it's, it's yes, all about Jesus. It's to take the gospel to the nations. Amen. It's about the word of God, prayer, worship, evangelism, and discipleship, with Jesus at the center of all things. Amen. Amen. So I, I, would, I would encourage uh, our, you know, our, our, the congregation. You know, we, we've got a website. So if we can take time to look at our website, you know, it's, it's right there. And our vision statement is to take the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. And this morning, I will be talking about presenting the gospel because it's one thing to take the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. And it's another thing to presenting that gospel to the people. 
So how many of you think that, you know, we, we ought to try and attain that vision? I believe all of us do. Because pastor from all these sermons he has, you know, uh, taught, you know, he, he, he has made sure that, you know, every member of the, the church is equipped with the word of God. Equipped with the word of God to present it. It's not necessarily presenting it to a large crowd of people. It's being ready to present it to anyone that desires to hear it. But we have to, to take action. And so we have to understand if we are to take the gospel of the kingdom to the nations, then we have to understand what this message, what, this, what is this gospel we are, we are taking to the nations. And Mark walked us through uh, nine Sundays ago about what is the gospel. And he walked us through 10 scriptures. And, and he said it. Um, clearly that, you know, he could have actually used different scriptures, but he chose the 10 that he had to, to minister to us with. And so in, in a sentence, I, I, can, I can unfold or unpack, you know, from what Mark taught us on, from the 10 scriptures on salvation, that the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ, the son of God, died. He died for our sins and rose again. And eternally triumphant over his enemies so that there's now no condemnation for those who believe, but only everlasting joy. That's a compressed sentence. But from the, you know, the, the different 10 scriptures that Mark, you know, uh, ran us through, it was all about the mission of Jesus' death, that he rose again, and that he died for us. He died for, for you and me. And it was all about our salvation. And our salvation is all about, that, that's, it's all about the reason Jesus died for us. And if you think about, you know, the, the, the day that you were saved, maybe, you know, <laughs> this was recent for some of us, but many of us, you know, it, it could have been many, many years ago. And no matter, when and how it happened. That day is always a game changer, isn't it? That day you got saved, it's a game changer. And I'm sure after you were saved, <laughs> did you want to share Jesus with others immediately? Did you want to present the gospel immediately? Others did, probably, and some, you know, conservative as I am, you know, might have taken a while 
before actually presenting the gospel to others. And hearing the phrase, you know, presenting the gospel, we might think that, you know, it's, it's about the formal way a pastor, like Pastor Jai, gives his sermons to us every Sunday morning. But the truth, brethren, is that, you know, you and me are tasked with presenting the gospel. We are tasked with sharing the good news with others. We don't have to be ordained ministers, you know, to present the gospel. Because the point of presenting the gospel or sharing the gospel, the good news, is so that others will want to know Christ and have their, their, their own personal relationship with him, like you and me have a relationship with Jesus. That's the point, the reason for presenting the gospel. Because everyone, all humanity initially, you know, were made for relationship with Christ Jesus. Until that time when the first man, Adam, when he decided, you know, uh, to go his own way. And he was actually, you know, creating a gap between God and humanity. But God, you know, never left us alone. He had the plan to make sure that, you know, he bridges that gap by bringing Jesus Christ. In human flesh, he came on earth so that those who believe in him might be saved. So how, how will our friends and our relatives, our neighbors ever know about the transformative power of Christ Jesus unless we present the good news to them? How will they know? I just want to encourage everyone Every good news church, uh, good news church Manchester member to know, to understand the vision statement. It's not just an academic thing to, to keep it in the head, but you know, to, to always be challenged. Let that be a benchmark for us that we are tasked to present the gospel to the nations. Brethren, no matter how amazing the gospel of Christ may be, no matter how amazing it may be, unless lost souls are told the truth about sin and salvation, and unless the good news of the gospel of grace is proclaimed universally. Men and women, boys and girls, rich or poor, Jews and Gentiles alike will remain dead in their trespasses and sins. But there is a reality, I believe, that unless someone is prepared 
to go and present the gospel to the lost souls, to tell them that for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They will never hear it. And that's the challenge that, you know, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 17, it says this to us. For everyone, verse, verse 13 of Romans chapter 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But if we do not take the message, if we do not present the gospel to them, they will never hear that. The Apostle Paul is challenging us. He's challenging you and me that for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And here's the challenge now. He says this, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Verse 15, and how can they preach unless they are sent? Our vision statement is to take the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. We are commanded to do that. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Verse 16, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Verse 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they, did they not hear? Of course they did. And so even in these communities where we live, a lot of people have heard at least the news about Christ Jesus. But our task is still to go into the same communities. Our task is to still communicate the word of God. How often do we consider the agents of Paul's words here? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If we do not present the gospel to them, they will never hear it. And we should always be ready for us to be able to present that gospel to the nations, we should be ready. Because we never know when God is going to use you or me to present the gospel. We never know, you know, when the perfect moment will come. So it is important for us to be ready. And First Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 16, it, it, it challenges us to that effect. 
First Peter chapter three, verses 15 to 16, it says this, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. We, we, we have to, to be equipped with the word of God and then we can set apart in our hearts Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. When we are equipped with the word of God, we will be able to go out to present the gospel. And so that when people ask us, you know, challenging questions, we are able to give an answer. We are prepared to give an answer to that effect, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But to do, the, do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, against your good behavior in Christ, may be ashamed of their slander. So we have to be equipped to be able to deliver the gospel, to be able to present the gospel. And, and we'll, be, we'll be looking at, uh, you know, um, examples in the Bible of men and God, uh, men of God, the way they presented the, the gospel to the people. And an example of that is from the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter four gives us an example of how Peter presented the gospel. Acts chapter four, tells us about the story of Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. They are arrested for the gospel right after Peter's address, you know, at Pentecost. And so Peter and John, that, that's from, from chapter three. So Peter and John go to the Jewish temple. And there, Peter heals a man who had been lame since birth. And after this, you know, the, the, the people in the temple are astonished. And they run to Peter and John to find out how this happened. And while they, they were telling the people the gospel, while they were presenting the gospel to the people, they are arrested by the Jewish authorities. And even in our time today, you know, we can still learn how, how Peter you know, presented the gospel to the Jewish authorities. And so verse, verse 7 of Acts chapter 4 says this. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. 
by what power or what name did you do that? By what power or what name did you do that? Now, Peter and John's actions in the temple <laughs> now prompted the, the, the Jewish officials to, to bring them into custody for questioning by what power or what name did you do this? Brethren, we, we, we have the opportunity to, to live you know, a unique way that, cause, that, that causes people to wonder, why do you live like that? Why do you live like this? Because the Jewish officials, they were just wondering, the people were wondering as well. And so Peter and John, you know, they, they, they are questioned by the Jewish officials. By what power or what name did you do this? We, we must live a life worth explaining. And, and I believe, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm challenged by this. Even as I was preparing this, you know, I, I was being challenged myself, you know, look, looking at the benchmark set by God. You know, where, where am I to that level to, to, be, to be able to, you know, to, to, to astonish my neighborhood that they may be asking, why do you live like this? I'm work in progress. And I believe you are too. To come to a point where we, we people in, in, in our neighborhood would be asking, well, why do you live like this? Different from, you know, the, 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 the rest of the, you know, the people that we see. Why do you live like that? So we must live a life worth explaining. And Peter and John were in that position, being questioned by the Jewish officials. But what I like most is, how, you know, uh, Peter answered boldly. In verse eight, he, he said this, verse eight of chapter, uh, I mean, Acts chapter four. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, and we can pause there. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the gospel to the nations, it, it takes the ability of the Holy Spirit to help us to do that. We cannot do it in our own strength, in our own power, in our own authority. We have been given the gift, the Holy Spirit who indwells within us, 
gives us the, the boldness, the ability to stand up before officials, before people, to be able to explain. And that's why we must live a life worth explaining. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There we go. Peter presenting the gospel to the Jewish officials. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter was able to stand up and declare boldly that it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And Peter went ahead, as, as, as you read, you know, uh, from, from that verse 10 there, from verse 10 going down, Peter presented to the Jewish authorities, you know, a few outlines to them. He said, Jesus was crucified. Jesus was raised from the dead. And in verse 12, salvation is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. And that Jesus makes this offer of the free gift to all men. That's what verse 12 uh, reads, that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Peter presented the gospel in the manner it ought to be presented. But he was not doing it out of his own strength or power or, or intelligence. It was because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as, as we go further down there, 
uh, in verse 18 of the same Acts chapter 4. He says this, then they called them in again. And so it, it, was, it was not only a, a one-off occasion where they were, they were being interrogated. Verse 18 says, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So the Jewish officials, you know, they, they, they asked Peter and John to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. But they give a remarkable response in verse 19, verses 19 and 20. Listen to this. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. What a remarkable response for why they must continue to do so, to preach Christ, to present the gospel. So you can see that Peter and John's conviction in the truth of the gospel message causes them to continue to present the gospel. They chose obedience to God rather than humans. And brethren, that is the task that we have, presenting the gospel. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit in us to be able to present the gospel with boldness against all odds to be able to defend, to give answers to why we, we believe in this hope. Presenting the gospel. We get challenges, you know, um, <laughs> the, the, the few times that uh, I've been involved in evangelism, you know, where, where, where you, you, you are being challenged by people, you know, from different uh, uh, re religious, you know, uh, inclinations, you know, the, the, this, this is where we, we, we ought to stand to, to give, you know, answers like we read in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, giving answers, defending what we believe in. You see, I, I, I come from Zambia and uh, we, we are different, uh, you know, there are different tribes there. And within a tribe, you know, there could be different clans. And, and each clan, they, they, they hold dear, you know, to, to their clan. They, 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 they understand, they believe in that clan. And so if, if, if you went somewhere else, you know, they asked you where you come from, you would say, well, I, I come from the Western part of Zambia in the Calavo district, and I'm from such and such clan, you know, and, and you give defense and, and, and you know, it's, it's like bragging really, 
talking about, you know, how important, how strong your clan is in that particular area. And, and, and this, is, this is the demonstration, you know, of, of, of Peter, you know, be, before the Jewish authorities defending Christ Jesus, whom they crucified. Jesus, who was raised from the dead. And that salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. He was defending what he believes in. And that Jesus makes this offer of the free gift to all men, even those who were questioning them. That if you only believed in him, you will be served. Presenting the gospel. The other example I'll, I'll, I'll give, really, you know, I, I could have given different examples from you know, uh, different uh, uh, books within the Bible. But I just wanted to confine myself, you know, to, to the book of Acts. And in Acts as well, we, we, we see um, another man who was able to give, you know, to present the gospel in a unique way as well. And Acts chapter eight, Verses 26 to 35. We are not going to, to read the whole passage of scripture, but I, I, I'll just uh, you know, uh, summarize it for us. Acts chapter 8 from verses 26 to 30, uh, 35. And, and this was Philip and the uh, Ethiopian eunuch. You know, the Ethiopian eunuch had been uh, to Jerusalem you know, to worship and uh, was returning home. You know, sitting in his chariot, he, he was reading the book of Isaiah. And, and to, to, to be specific, you know, he, he was reading from, he, he was reading from uh, Isaiah chapter 53, you know, uh, verses seven and eight. And when Philip discovered the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, you know, puzzling over the, the, this, this Old Testament prophecy. You know, Philip asked him, and he, he, he asked him this question. Do you understand what you are reading? And, and this is, you know, the, the, the opportunity that we, 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 we are first, we could be first as well, you know, being in a shopping mall, you, you, you could find, you, you, you may find people talking about, you know, Christianity and all that. You could have that opportunity to ask a similar question like, you know, uh, Philip uh, asked, do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. That's verse, verse, uh, verse 30 of, of Acts chapter 8 I'm reading from. Verse 31, it says, it, it, it says this, how, how can I? And this was the Ethiopian eunuch now, you know, replying to Philip. How, how can I, he said, 
unless someone explains it to me. So do, do you see the connection between this and the, you know, the, 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 the earlier passage that we read, where we, 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 you know, in Romans chapter 10, you know, that for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah? How then can they call on the name? I, I, I mean, on the one they, they have not believed it. You know, there, there's a similarity, you know, as, as I was reading this. Because this man was reading a scripture, but he didn't understand it. And now he says, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip, you know, to come up and sit with him. And these are opportunities that we could have, you know, to present the gospel. And so Philip had this opportunity then, you know, to present this gospel, uh, you know, to this Ethiopian eunuch. So as he began to present the gospel to him, he said this. So he, he, the, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and he begins, you know, with this scripture to present the gospel to him. He begins to talk to him. He says this. Then Philip began with that very passage, which was Isaiah, you know, uh, chapter 53, verses 7 to 8, which the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. And he told him the good news about Jesus. So what do you think the good news is? He spoke about Jesus. He, he, he spoke about his, what? His, his death and his resurrection. He presented, he, he had this opportunity to present the gospel to him. And so as, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the, the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he, be, he, he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. He had the opportunity to present the gospel. And all this water baptism even took place. And this is, this is a similar way that we find ourselves in today, that when an opportunity opens up, how, how do we take advantage of that to present the gospel? And why, why should we, you know, 
present the gospel anyway, if I may ask a question. Why do we present the gospel? So now Romans chapter 10, I mean, chapter one, verse, verse 16, tells us, gives us an answer to that uh, question. Romans chapter one. It says this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now that's the reason that, that why, why we, should, we, we should actually present the gospel. Because you can only present something that you are not ashamed of. As I gave an example of, you know, me belonging to a clan that when, when I visit a different place, you know, and they ask me where I come from, you know, when I mention that clan, they know already, you know, my, my connection, they know already my standing. So I, I'm always proud to, you know, to showcase myself where, where I come from. And so Paul is challenging us in this verse, Romans chapter one, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. And he wasn't just saying this, you know, that live, live out, you know, the, the gospel. No. He, he, was, he was telling us, he was challenging us that we, we are to communicate the actual message. I'm not ashamed of this gospel, so I will take it to the nations. And if you are taking the gospel to the nations, you, can, you, you have to communicate it to the people. He's telling us we are to communicate the message. He's telling us there's a verbal declaration for it. Brethren, I, I fully don't understand it, to, to be honest, but, but when you and I step out in faith and present the gospel to someone, the power of God shows up. I, I don't know how that happens. I mean, this, this is, this, this is, the, 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 the example that I gave about Peter. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, how that happens is God's mystery that he, he gives you the boldness and the courage and even the ways to speak. This is the message, the word of God. It is the message that is alive and active. That's what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us. The word of God is alive and active. It brings life when we speak it out, when we present it to someone. It has the power to transform lives, this word of God, that when we, you present it to someone, it, it, it will transform lives, the word of God. Presenting the gospel. 
And so what is our role as individuals in presenting this gospel to the nations? What is our role? John chapter four, uh, John chapter six rather, John chapter six, verse 44. It says this, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. This was Jesus speaking. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. As much as we wish it is impossible, as much as we wish, it is impossible for you and me to convert an unbeliever who has not been drawn by God. Because it's, it's not me or yourselves you know, to, to convert these people. It is the power of God that draws them to himself. Although we do not know if the unbeliever has been drawn or not, and then unless you know, we, we try to present the gospel to them, we wouldn't know. Unless we, we present the gospel to an unbeliever, we wouldn't know whether or not they've been drawn to God. And that's why in 1 in, in, in Corinthians chapter 1, I mean, chapter 3, verses 6 to 7, we, we, we get an answer to that, or we get an understanding to that. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 3, verses 6 to 7. It says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. So while it is not our responsibility to convert unbelievers, it is our responsibility to present the good news of salvation through Christ Jesus. Because ultimately, it is the responsibility of the Holy Spirit to turn people's hearts back to him. Because even if they refuse, you know, many people have refused when we've, when we've done you know, these evangelistic episodes. You know, many people have refused, you know, to, to listen to me. But even if they refuse now, you may be only planting a seed. You know, if you are able to speak to them and, and just give them one verse or whatever it is to talk about Christ Jesus' death and the resurrection, 
you may only be planting a seed for someone else to water it later. But ultimately, it's God who causes the growth, which is personally, no, which you and me personally, we, we, we may not even be able to see. But you will have done your part to plant a seed and someone else to water it. And then God, who draws man to himself, causes the growth. And so I just want to encourage you, brethren, that go and present the gospel with boldness to all nations. Amen.